0: Everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions, with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, it helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, the face- on Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who has also recorded a cameo for Kyler Murray's birthday. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: Gerald, let's just pause. Uh, The most important thing that you will do this week is listen to this podcast. But the second most important Longhorn-related thing that that will happen this week is that everyone pauses the show, goes and Googles or finds uh, the video of Kyler Murray recording Colt McCoy playing a video for what Colt believed to be a young man named Kyler who was a big fan of UT and was also a quarterback starting his career and like it was a little kid and watching Colt react to the fact when he realized that it was bought for Kyler Murray and that's who the Kyler was was just I mean chef's kiss pitch perfect unbelievable trolling it makes me want to root for the Cardinals this year uh, just just my favorite NFL thing you know in in a long time uh just absolutely beautiful Colt McCoy a perfect Perfect straight man who had no idea he was being used uh, to set up the 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 brilliant, beautiful trolling. I, I just I, I adored everything about it.
0: One like Colt took that really earnestly. He was like, "Good luck on your coming season, buddy. Go ahead and be a leader out there." And it was just like, <laughs> it was so stinking perfect uh, that they were in like the setup. Like the whole. And if you like, if you don't want to listen to the back, you read the backstory, but I'll give it for you. Like the quarterbacks coach got somebody else's credit card and made like a Smurf email address <laughs> just to get this set up. So like the level of trolling that us normal people do was put into this, and I. Absolutely love and appreciate that that is happening continually, uh, with you know millionaires who, who play NFL
1: football. As someone who has photoshopped Kyler Murray onto a lot of photos of Sam Ellinger holding little kids on his shoulders or in, um, you know, uh, what do you call the, the the baby packs you wear in front, like from uh, like a baby
0: Bjorn situation. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like the baby Bjorn, I guess. Um, I've spent too many hours of my life photoshopping. Kyler Murray's face onto small children's bodies. The joke never gets old. He's like 5'6", six, and if any of our listeners are five six, that's a perfectly fine height, but but not really for an NFL quarterback. But he does fine. Kyler is doing great. You know, more power to him. That's that's great. But the joke is hilarious. And seeing Kurt se- or seeing Colt sell it so earnestly, like he's talking to an actual child. It just like, uh, I can't even tell you how what a, what a, what a palate cleanser that was.
0: <laughs> Colt McCoy on Cameo. Five star review out of uh, ten confirmed purchases. Amazing and a twenty four hour turnaround. So if you need a cameo for somebody <laughs> and you need it to be quick, hundred twenty bucks. Colt McCoy can be yours. My biggest thing is like, like I know the players can like or people can like approve or like say yes or no to what they do on cameo, but like. If I prove that someone is my friend, could I get one of our like f- sports heroes to talk, say mean things about them? Like, hey, this is my good friend Kyle. We host a podcast together. I need Vince Young to tell him he hates him, or just something like really just to <laughs> troll some. Like that's that's really I think what cameo sh- cannon should be used for. Um, if you're a terrible person like I am, but we're not here <laughs> to talk about uh, whether or not my friends actually should be friends with me. We're here to talk about football. Kyle, there's football happening. On the field, on Sunday night, well, Texas kicked off fall practice on Friday, but on Sunday they took the field at Daryl K. Royal, Texas Memorial Stadium for uh, some more practice. They are not in pads yet, so again, all this is with a grain of salt. Um, until you get the pads on, you've got those guys who are... Um, who are shorts warriors and the pads come on and maybe they're not as keen. But after the first practice, there were a lot of uh, comments from from Sarkiad media availability. Um, funniest thing in the world: cramping and hydration were issues. So uh, Tom Herman, the the hydration charts. And again, hydration charts are a real thing. Like at the NFL level, like that's a real thing in fall practice. I'll never forget in high school fall practice, our coaches drilling us. Clear P good, yellow P bad. We had to repeat that before we started practice. The <laughs> trainer, Coach Q, had to tell us. Like that was the whole conversation <laughs> he had with us. Anywho, so a lot of conversation was had. Um, guys that that he singled out for kind of shaping their bodies well this summer. Josh Moore, Jaron Thompson, Jared Wiley, De Overshone, uh, Jatavian Sanders. This was interesting, got a lot of one on work, one on one work with Jeff Banks and the Titans. We'll continue to do that. But Sanders uh, is somebody that's trying to get the fundamentals and get him kind of the intricacies of the offense probably somebody they want to see get on the field early and often. And so the quote that jumped out to me is if Friday's practice was practice number 16 of the spring, then it would have been the best practice the quarterbacks had by far. There's still a lot of things out there, Kyle. But as you think about the, the stories, we'll, we'll put the quarterback thing to the side because that's obviously everybody's big story. But what's the thing that you're really wanting to get or hear the most out of fall camp?
1: Well, what I'm trying to find out is we have former athletes in um, in vegan food trucks. We have former athletes in, um, what do you call them, like workout suites. Um, we have former athletes in vodka, in, in their names, steakhouses. Athletes? Ut have gotten into food related businesses of oh, the the cupcakes uh, of multiple uh, former athletes. When are we going to get an artisanal pickle juice um, vendor with a, one of our former athletes to treat these cramps uh, at five dollars a vial? I don't know. Uh, I'm kidding, obviously. But um, come on, guys, it's it's you've been playing football long enough in Texas. You know it's hot. Don't cramp. Um, I'm curious. There's a couple like names that came out that Sark mentioned. Um, some that you expected some that were you know a little bit like oh either forgot about that guy hadn't heard about that guy interesting to hear um i think uh i hate i hope i don't butcher his name but ovi uh agufu who's who came from notre dame and we had a, a dirge of, of um we just had a, basically a big run on potential edge rushers in the transfer portal i feel like uh his name wasn't one that I'd heard just thrown around as much. So good to hear him uh, showing out. I think um, he talked about, uh, Coach Stark talked about Xavier Worthy and his speed. And we've now heard repeatedly multiple guys just talk about the kind of game-changing speed and ability to go get balls that he has, which is is very promising. The Sanders news is really interesting um, because I think I, like many, think that at his size and the things he could do at his size uh he could be just a a first round edge rushing nfl defensive lineman um he seems to to think and that man he knows way better than i do what he can do that he has the same you know upside at tight end which again the things we've seen him do at the high school level there's no doubt that he could be an utterly elite tight end so i'm just curious to see more where he ends up his story will be interesting because the talent will never be the question uh it's just how he's going to be used in his time on the 40 um but yeah i mean it, i th- think we're all holding out for more quarterback news like we joked there's a film of of the quarterback seven seconds that will be broken down of of uh kind of overlay synced uh Cardin Thompson dropping back to throw balls was released by Texas Football. I think we're all hanging on to see that. We're hanging on to see um some of the position battles that we're watching shake out offensive line, who's stepping up at tight end receiver, um kind of some of the defense being a little positionless, who's eventually going to be the best 11. Um so yeah, I think um Every day we will be hanging on for juicy nuggets, breaking down the words and the, the in-between words, the half-spoken words. What did he mean, words of Sark? Because, again, we're all salivating at the idea that football is basically like we're, we're counting down defensive backs away from playing football now right like we're in the in the the low numbers we're about to get to the the you know the the uh running back or we're past most of the 30s the running backs we're we're getting close to the the quarterbacks and kickers realm of of teens so um this thing is 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 coming fast and we're all we're all dying and hanging on every word because again what's better than football just dreaming about football because right now we're undefeated, like every team in the country. We have a perfect camp. Every player is taking a step up. No one's taking a step back. There won't be injuries. We are special. We're the only ones. We have the best camp ever. Every fan right now is just you're looking at an undefeated team that's going to win a national championship. And I get it. It's hard not to just just buy the hype. So yeah, I think any update, Gerald, is is my lo- is my short answer <laughs> synthesized. I think one of the things
0: that was interesting to me is you see you see guys like uh, Troy O'Meary who. Missed most of last year with an injury. He put on like 21 pounds between his high school year and his freshman year at at Texas and blows out his knee. Um, You see a guy like Jordan Whittington who put on a bunch of weight multiple injuries and so now they're playing much lighter I think Omiri dropped like 10 pounds in the offseason so I'm curious to see what those guys look like play like and if they can finally stay healthy thankfully if they're playing at a healthy weight that their body can support and again the other thing that I'm always looking out for and especially in a year where you're breaking in a new quarterback is the offensive line right that's the, Mm. the thing that I'm always Always looking at and and based on the limited time that, that the media got got with them, um the the grouping the first grouping that everybody saw was from left to right Jones Okafor uh, Majors Lao, and Kerstetter and, and Sark actually singled out Kerstetter as a guy both for his leadership and for his nastiness which is some it's if if there's one adjective that I want to hear from a tackle nastiness is probably close to the top of the list right I want that that's the word and so we talked about it last week in our offensive line. Preview the Texas offensive line. The questions is really like what the personnel is going to be, and if they yeah. go for talent and ex- or experience and what that looks like. And, and I put this out there on Twitter over the weekend: if Andre Carrick wins one of these tackle spots then it's a good thing, right? we we've moved on from having, having to start young guys cause you need them to young guys being ahead of schedule. If Andre Carrick can beat out Derek Kerstetter or beat out Christian Jones along the outside on either side, that means that he's ahead of schedule. Cause the dude has at least four years of ex- eligibility left. He could take the COVID year plus a redshirt year and have again, five more years of eligibility to play though. Um, well, I guess four after this one at the university of Texas. And so, the the offensive line if this grouping is able to to really get things done, and you saw, we talked about it, I think, right when they put out the spring roster that the the offensive line composition, both from body and kind of schematically, is going to look different, so I'm curious to see how these guys continue to pick up the new scheme, because the, the guards are playing heavier and the tackles are playing lighter, which lets me know that the tackles will likely be doing more of the pulling and more of the moving and kind of being the big bodies that are coming across the line to clear, clear things out, so I uh, I'm curious to see what that scheme looks like and what Kyle Flood can scheme up because the conversation around Austin is, can you develop guys? And one of the reasons why a lot of linemen weren't going to Texas and going to Alabama was because Kyle Flood is known as a great offensive line coach and a developer of talent. And so if he can squeeze every ounce of talent out of this group and get them up to playing at and i'm under no delusions that this group is going to play like a group of five star linemen at alabama right i'm i am not under that that alabama has five first round potential first rounders across the board at any given time But if this group can get up to the lofty talent, Jake Majors is a guy who has a really high ceiling. I think Junior Angulau is a guy who's been playing way below his ceiling for the last several years. so I'm really excited to see if they can reach that ceiling what this offensive line unit can do.
1: Yeah, and if you miss our offensive line preview, you should absolutely go back and listen to it. I think we got pretty, what we're seeing right now is about what Gerald and I were predicted for the most part. Again, what, what that first group is, a lot could change between then and now. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I mean, I, I just, it is good to have, Bodies. We said it last week, it is good to have position battles on the offensive line between guys because you have two guys who could play as opposed to, let's throw it out there and see who can play, right? But I will also say Texas guys at the next level playing. I don't know if everyone saw it this week, but there was a video of pretty much assumed best defensive player on the planet at least the past couple years Aaron Donald really throwing a a hissy fit that Connor Williams was blocking him too hard in the preseason uh he didn't like that in practice Connor Williams was was getting after that that tail um and 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 through a through a bit of a a fuss but uh that's a good sign (laughs) again like Gerald said uh the big uglies should be nasty offensive linemen from Texas have a reputation of man those are the nastiest guys uh around and, and you'll be in a good spot
0: Now, I've never played anywhere close to elite level of on the line, right? Um, Anytime your pads get put up in your throat, it means that your pad level is too high. and So that's kind of on you, Aaron Donald. Like, get your (laughs) pads lower. I know it's the preseason, but like Connor Williams is trying to win a spot. So if you line up against him, He's probably going to put your pads in your neck if your pad level's too high. That's neither here nor there. So we've got, again, a few more weeks of spring practice. The pads will go on soon, and we'll get a better indication of what things are like. We'll probably get a quarterback decision at least a week, if not two weeks, ahead of the season because, well, you want to your first guy to get most of the snaps with the one and really build a rhythm with that line, with his center, really important, and with the wide receiver. So we'll keep you up to date so whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. So we wrapped up our offense pre- offensive previews last week with the offensive line. And if you missed that, what the heck are you doing with your life? Go back and listen to it. It was good. But we're flipping sides. We're staying in the trenches on the defensive line. Line And so Texas is not only replacing a guy like Joseph Osai on the edge, who was really impressive and ended up being an NFL draft pick. Uh, Texas is also bringing in a new scheme. Again, the third new defensive scheme in three years. It is what it is. But Texas has a lot of talent to pull from. So Pete Kwiatkowski plays kind of a four man front, kind of a three man front, kind of a three, three, most of your ends in this system are going to play positions where they can both be uh, a a hand in the dirt and, and standing straight up, depending on your need, you've got an end, you've got kind of a edge and Jack kind of thing, a spinner situation, Uh, a one technique kind of shaded on the center, three technique uh, shaded on the guard. So when we look at what this grouping is going to be the one technique seems pretty settled. Um, you've got snacks, Coburn to Vonder sweat. Uh, sorry, Gorham Walsh is, 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 in the mix there. He was a guy who again, has a really high floor and pretty high ceiling as well. But, um, snacks, Coburn is probably not going to give up too many snaps there. At the three technique, you've got a lot of bodies to choose from. Maura Ojomo, Alfred Collins, running Broughton, Byron Murphy, who came in on campus looking like he has an ex-wife and a mortgage. Dude just looks grown as heck. Roy Miller already reached out to him on Twitter to say, let me give you some tips, young man, by the way, if Bo, whenever Bo Davis leaves, if Roy Miller isn't the first call, just have him drive up by 35 and take that, that defensive line coaching job. They're doing it wrong. Uh, defensive end, Jacoby Jones, Ben Davis, Prince Adorba, uh, and Jet Bush. And on the edge, you've got Ojomo potentially as well. Uh, Ovi, o, Ogufo, as we talked about earlier, Ray Thornton, and then a lot of freshmen coming in as well. So there are, there are some spots that seem set in stone, right? There are some spots that have a lot in flux. So, Kyle, if if you're looking at this grouping, like, what are your expectations? What are you looking for? Who do you who are you looking for uh, in this group?
1: Well, like you said, I think it, there are some known knowns and there are some some known unknowns, and so uh, some some guys that we don't know exactly what they will be, right? We know that we're replacing Joseph Osai. We know that we went heavy into the portal to try to get some of those edge defensive end slash buck. uh, I believe it's in Coach K's system who will be rushing over there. Uh, What that translates to, what we get out of that will be interesting. I think Jacoby Jones is a guy who actually really interests me. Um, uh, Jones is a guy who's got a lot of hustle. He finished last year with uh, 28 tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack, but had kind of a big fumble recovery. Um... In, in the end of the season he was a guy who kind of he's a he's an energy guy and i think it's just a matter of time if he can if he can translate that into some some pressure and getting a couple more hands on players in the backfield and specifically quarterbacks i'm very curious to see uh snacks had some good things to say about him in the in the media days i like where where he sits i mean alfred collins to me is the big question mark could be the big game changer coach case system likes to have two guys in the middle bring pressure off the ends and if you can get pressure with one of the two middle guys and I don't think you're going to get Coburn or Sweat really necessarily getting 10 sacks a season that's not who they are that's not how they're best optimized that's just not what you're going to get So, but Alfred Collins and and I kind of think Ojimo and also if he's if he's still inside, uh, that three technique are really interesting because they're both players who can get pressure, can get to the quarterback. Collins is just a playmaker. Uh, again, we saw that in the bowl game. We saw what he can do. Um, Collins has the talent to be the long line when we think of Texas NFL defensive linemen that we've had for years and not the Puna Forge who didn't get drafted because they undervalue Texas talent, but the guys of decades before who went in rounds one, two, and three when you came to UT to play interior defensive line, it pretty much meant you went on to the next level, right? And, and I think Alfred Collins has that level of talent. So he's a guy to me that's really interesting. Again, the question marks between Thornton, Ben Davis, you know, Ov. what you're getting with those transfers if one of those attacks uh, on. And then I, I'm just really curious about the freshmen, right? If, if any of those guys don't work out or any of the freshmen step up, I think Jordan Thomas, DJ Harris are both big big recruits, big names. But one of the guys Sark called out in his first presser was Baron Sorrell, who I had to kind of remember was a three-star kid out of New Orleans who uh, was not the, the, the big – I mean – a big recruit but again there were some guys who were had more stars not that that means anything but who may have been bigger names in the recruiting spheres in that same class so the fact that he was the first kind of that I saw of uh of these edge rushers these freshman edge rushers to be called out I'm just curious if any of those four also David uh Ibiara um Any of those four, if they end up seeing the field, will be interesting to me. But you have a guy like Jet Bush who played a lot in the past and is a really team chemistry guy. Don't know if you want him necessarily as your starter, but a guy who's relatively productive in short minutes. I'm just curious if any of these surprise names down the depth chart a little bit at the start end up getting in, because I do think this is a unit where you can see some rotation. You can see uh, some fresh legs. You can see the hot guy kind of, you know, someone's playing well that day getting... Some extra snaps. I think you're right that Snacks is, is probably the anchor. Who who uh, if he's in good shape shouldn't be coming out. But everything else will be a little bit interesting, and a little bit fluid. And and even they, while they're not giving everything away, have said that that Coach K's defense will give you really really interesting and multiple looks. They will they will be even sometimes. They will come out odd. They will come out uh, with with five or six different looks at you really quickly to try to keep the offensive line and offense a little bit confused. So I think you could see. We could be talking about six or seven different guys um, on this specific group on any given week who 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 could make a play in their in their time in the game. So I really think that there's some known talent. And again, if any of these question marks end up really being a home run, then you look at what is probably one of the deepest groups. Being one of the just pure best groups and leave it you know full stop at that because I think getting pressure off the edge is going to be huge when we talk about the rest of the defense with with what this team can do and how high the ceiling for this defense can be.
0: You said Snacks Coburn probably won't come off the field that often, but the the wrinkle in that is that the Snacks T Sweat situation seems like a one one a situation yeah. where um, if you've got you know forty defensive snaps in a game. I'm fine with, like, the the offensive rotation last year was frustrating, but the defensive rotation of, you know, snacks and T-Sweat works because, again, those those are – Ginormous human beings, three three twenty plus, right? And so, getting them a rest is not a bad thing, and especially when there's not any talent drop off or any productivity drop off between them. And you know, I'm I'm the weird guy that watches the interior line, and so when you when you look at a, a scheme like this, that's that's the thing that you have to remember is that you are, you probably won't hear Keandre Coburn, uh, Tavandre Sweat's name too often. But if they're doing their jobs, you will hear a lot of Jacoby Jones and Ray Thornton or Prince Mm. Dorber or Ovi because what Keandre Coburn is going to do is he's he's a shaded nose. And so his job is to make both the center and the guard pay attention to him. Tavandre Sweat and Keandre Coburn can do that really well. And we saw a guy again like Puna Ford who scored a touchdown in a in a Seattle Seahawks scrimmage uh, on sun, on Sunday afternoon. Um he did that to perfection, right? That and that's made him one of the hottest commodities in the NFL right now. He was a guy who got paid this offseason. Got to pay the man. Uh so if those two guys can do that, this is a scheme where you don't again, you don't hear him a lot, but the, the defensive tackle that knows in that three technique really determine what your defense can do because they're going to occupy blockers and they're going to allow your skill players in the second level and on the outsides of the defense roam free. Cause if you've got to dedicate three guys to two, you're down a man and that's how this this type of defense works and how this type of defense is successful because then you've got an extra, again, if you've got five offensive linemen, you got to dedicate three to two, that gives you an advantage with your six guys that are kind of playing there in the middle. Six to seven guys are playing there in the middle and if you've got a, def- a defensive back that can win in one-on-one or you've got a safety that can peel over the top and make a center field play, you're going to create some turnovers and, and that to me is, is really going to be this is always my thoughts the reason why we loved the defense in the first year of the Tom Herman era they got the most out of Keandre Coburn and Chris Nelson skill sets and so I'm really curious to see how that turns out
1: yeah and, and just one other thing again when we talk about this there's there's a little bit of a it, it is really more of a four-man set with with two linebackers but you you could put that that buck position if you really wanted in the in the linebacker discussion that we'll have coming up shortly because let's call it 80 20 80 percent of the time they're going to be rushing but but you will see occasionally that buck position drop back in some coverage so it'll be a little bit curious again if there's a big difference and that's that's a big debate in in modern football for an edge rusher if there's a big difference between outside linebacker and defensive end as you traditionally thought of them um it, if that is the case, is there someone who's, who's more suited or, or the way that you have third down backs, do you have dedicated third down rushers or, you know what I mean? It, it, it will be a little bit interesting to see as we really dive in. Cause I, we've, I, I've listened to some, some podcasts with coach K talking about his defensive philosophy. I've watched some of the Washington tape. Um, you know, I, I, I understand what he's done in the past, but I will be curious to see what that looks like this year, what that position will look like. But the, I mean, that position is, is a moneymaker position for him in the past, and he's able to put guys in the NFL at that position. So it'll be really interesting to see. Again, we talked a lot about interior linemen. I think Coburn, Sweat, Collins, Ojimo, who, who's been between the two, are four names that you know, and they're all really talented and they could play on Sundays. Um, again, the, the extent that this is a successful unit and not just a talented unit, but the unit that anchors this defense, that leads this defense, that honestly leads the team to the success that they can have this year, it, to me will be how well you're you're getting pressure off the edge and and, and you know if you can get a Joseph Osi level performer or you can have a group that is putting up, we have multiple guys who can get after it and and it's more of a group effort or if there's one guy who's going to step up or Maybe they, they, they don't they don't have it out of that group. But I, I feel relatively confident that, that there will be there will be production there. It's just a matter of who.
0: You talked about like the the edge linebacker thing. There's a reason why like two, four, seven rolled like defensive end and edge. Like they roll, they, because defenses are different nowadays, like you've got D lineman, you've got edge rushers, and then you've got linebackers. There's not really like a defensive end linebacker. Like it's, a, it's a, it's a different thing. So anyway, so we will have obviously more about this as practice wraps up and we'll know who's going to shake out where and what it's going to look like moving forward. So that brings us to the part of the show where we catch up on all the other news stuff that we didn't get to talk about and we down the 40s. Let's start with recruiting. Texas picked up uh, two three-star high upside guys. I think they'll probably, uh, one if not both of them, might pick up another star this offseason. We'll see. Uh, but three-star linebacker Owen uh, Carey out of a uh, modern-day high school in California. And three-star cornerback Champ Lewis out of Warren Easton High School in In New Orleans. So uh, Owen carries 6'3", 225 linebacker. Texas apparently was his dream school. His uncle lives in Austin. He came in for a visit and then just stayed all weekend with his uncle hanging out around Austin. Um, Got the offer. Set a commitment date and decided to pull the trigger. Uh, Champ Lewis got the Texas offer and decommitted from Colorado in the same day and then committed to Texas a couple of days later. So uh, Texas finding some help uh, on the defensive side at the skill position. Kyle, uh, you've looked at these two guys. Like, what's, the, uh, what's your read on them?
1: Well, first of all, I was excited to learn that g h n is pronounced Owen. I've been mispronouncing that uh, for years in my Celtic and Gaelic, and I apologize uh, to, to any ancestors who I may have offended. But it seems like he is a guy who is is built for size 6'3", 225. Looks like he has a frame that could put some weight on, can play uh, any number of positions along the linebacker group. He also, from everything I've heard, is like a, a good kid, just a football kind of kid. He just eats up coaching, wants to learn more, wants to play, um, which I think is what Coach K is looking for for football guys. And I hate to use that term, capital F, capital G. It's such a cliche, but really a a kid who just loves football, wants to know more, wants to do whatever he can, willing to just kind of say, yes, coach, let's do it. Um, And so I I think for him, that's exciting. I think you know, not to put the pressure on Champ Lewis, but the last uh, cornerback named Champ I can remember uh, was a Bailey. Loved both Baileys, Boss Bailey. One of the most ridiculous, just just um, his brother. One of the most ridiculous forty-time vertical combinations and size ever. But anyways, won't won't put the Champ Bailey comparison on him quite yet. But a cornerback named Champ can't be a bad thing. Um, getting kids, out of, getting defensive backs out of the state of Louisiana again, never. A bad thing i'm excited i think two kids who are like gerald said upside guys again if they're both four stars by the time they graduate don't don't be shocked if they're guys who come in and and you know push for playing time over higher rated guys. Don't be shocked. Um, I like both of these takes a lot.
0: Champ Lewis is a kid who is, a, he's like a track star hurdler guy mm-hmm. uh, out of new Orleans. And I don't know if you know this, but new Orleans makes fast kids. And so <laughs> when you think about having speed on your defense, getting a kid from the boot is always uh, a win. Texas seems to be unafraid of going head to head with Louisiana uh, for these kids. There are a couple of four star defensive linemen. that Texas is kind of trying to duke it out for with them as well. The things seem to be turning the burn orange direct, I can't. Again, we'll have Mike on. Mike decided to be really busy and then have a vacation, which he's totally allowed to do. Enjoy the beach in Mexico and the drinks. I'm proud of you. Enjoy your time. But we'll have him on in a couple weeks to hopefully talk about uh, some recruiting. The Olympics wrapping up in the University of Texas was incredibly successful. Nine. Longhorns earned medals, five golds, three silvers, and a bronze capped off and added to that count were a lot of people in the last week. So potentially the most dramatic, not potentially, (laughs) the most dramatic of them uh, was Canada winning the, the country's first ever women's gold in soccer. On penalty kicks, Julia Grosso comes up and just muscles it past the keeper. The keeper puts her mitts on it, but Julia was too much for her. Um, and just the reaction that she had was like disbelief. You, you, you love to see it.
1: It was a feel-good story for sure, Julia Grosso, just a, a a woman who we've cheered for and talked about on this very podcast, been fans of for a long time, uh, and, and one of the best players in the Texas soccer team, of course, but uh, I, I was thinking, you know, Texas produces clutch kickers, right? Like the first thing that came to my mind when she, I was like, oh, she's going to nail this, um, was Justin Tucker. Like, uh, you know, like just uh, different sports, different sample sizes. Um, But, hey, you have one kick to win them all, one kick to – join them i don't know anyways you have one kick and you you have to you have to have it you just call a longhorn justin tucker and football phil dawson before him uh julia grasso um there's some young uh, texas soccer players coming up who might fit that bill but really incredible just such a cool picture of her turning around and running towards the Canadian. I always love penalties because of this the Canadian team and you just see like it's separated yellow on Sweden red with Canada and the one half is just, you know, elated and the other half as you could see them just crumpling over as they realized we just lost the gold medal off of her foot. Um just one of those like iconic sports moments. Uh and a really cool photo that I I think we retweeted on our our Twitter feed but um just really iconic stuff. So one of my favorite Olympic memories of of the whole the whole shebang.
0: Hot take: Sometimes it feels like it's better to win the bronze than lose the silver. Like that <laughs> always feel like if you think about like most times there's only one team that ends the season with a lot with a win in these team Olympic tournaments. There are two, right? So, like, it would suck to lose your last game. Like, we could have had the gold, right? Like that. Ugh, I can't. That sucks.
1: That's the caveat. Is in a team sport where you, it's not something where you're competing. Yes. And then it's like, all right, silver is better than bronze. But yes, being able to to go out like the women's the U.S. women's soccer team did, they won the bronze medal game. At least they could win, have something to build on, some redemption. It almost feels like just that 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 pulling of your guts out when you lose, especially in in penalty kicks. Again, just I don't know if there's a more harsh way to lose a gold medal than what happened to that Swedish team.
0: Uh, So, speaking of things that I'm fine with being harsh, uh, USA Basketball. Uh, After a rough start in the internet, going off on Kevin Durant and the players and Greg Popovich unfairly, the U.S. men's team just absolutely uh, drug itself across the rest of the tournament and beat France in the finals to win the gold medal. Suck at Rudy Gobert. I'll never (laughs) not want to say that anytime I have the opportunity to do so.
1: Rudy Gobert, a good enough defensive player that he not only shuts down his opposition, he once shut down the entire NBA. Now, that's uh, a COVID joke. That's okay. Um, <laughs> there are some players who really, the Redeem team was, I think, 04 Athens after or after that when the when U.S. got bronze. And... There was something of a redemption within a month for this team that wasn't on quite the same level. But just the amount that they had talked down, you know, oh, Kevin Durant's not the superstar who can carry a team. Oh, Popovich isn't the coach. An NBA coach can't do it. Coach K was flawless, but Popovich, he's terrible. I mean, it it was crazy. There was an athletic story that came out right after it that said, you know, the players hate Popovich in an LA Times article that maybe Popovich, you know, is the problem and needs to step down. And just this, like, this kind of bizarre craziness for a guy for popovich who dedicated his life to the serving his country going to u.s air force serving uh for years before going to the basketball profession um was a was an odd thing and watching durant and zach levine who's a guy who i have liked for a while and really like the steps he took in this tournament but put their gold medals on popovich during the ceremony i think put to bed any of those rumors and also again just Kevin Durant, the all-time Olympic scorer, the 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 four highest ever gold medal game performances. Three out of those four are Kevin Durant in the past three gold medal games. Um, I, I don't really think there's any question. One of the one of the best basketball players on earth, and he he's, I think, at a late stage growing into himself a little bit more, and he's always kind of like he knows. The haters exist, and I'll talk about this a little bit later. But um, some athletes are very attuned to this, to what others are saying, and I'm glad that he and, and Draymond, honestly, who's the most likable I've ever seen him, took that, fed off of it, and went to prove a point because of it. So, anyways, this was, this was, uh, this one felt like a chest-beating gold medal. That felt good. KD leaning into
0: the thin skin that he has has been the best career turn that he like he looked real childish early on and kind of got defensive about it and now he's like yes i am absolutely on twitter and yes i absolutely am going to clap back at you and that's completely okay so on keeping it on the hardwood uh usa women won uh they beat japan pretty handily in the gold medal game there uh on the volleyball court chaco ogbogu and the usa volleyball team swept brazil in the gold medal moving on to the individuals, Probably my most impressive or favorite uh, individual performance. Ryan Krauser broke his own record en route to gold in the shot put. Bro- like he w- just walks up first throw of the day and just throws it 72 feet. Right. I'm not going to do the meters thing. I forgot the meters, the feet stuck in my head. Right. And just continue to just throw it beyond the like they didn't have extra <laughs> lines like threw beyond <laughs> all of the lines on the field. And it was absolutely incredible
1: it's so weird to see someone be so much better than all of their peers at a thing in the olympics
0: Um, the best of the best
1: yeah In, in in a thing that involves throwing a very large thing very far like you just you think there's a limit on human body like that constricts what you can do and can't do um and then ryan krauser just shatters that but um yeah gerald i just two quick notes seven times for the women's basketball team seven consecutive gold medals the greatest dynasty in sports quite arguably just really incredible um and then usa volleyball i don't think that should be overlooked how big of a deal that was their first ever gold um was so exciting i mean just i actually did not realize they'd never had a gold indoor and to beat the teams that they did and then take brazil out at the end was they were the underdog and you don't often get to say that with u.s team sports especially women's team sports they were the underdog and that was a fun one
0: on the track, Tiana Daniels uh, won silver in the 4x1. She and volunteer coach Jenna Prandini were on the relay. Stacey Ann Williams won the bronze in the 4x4. Four four. Tara Davis, uh, number six, unfortunately, had a little bit of a rough outing, uh, but she'll be back. Uh, she was one of those coach flow people that was there. Uh, Jordan Wendell reached the diving final, but finished ninth overall.
1: Yeah, so like you said, Gerald, nine medals: five gold, three silver, one bronze, and then again, track assistants had another gold and two silver. I'm not going to count those in the official medal count, but Coach Flo had uh, basically with Stacy and Williams, Tiana, um, Daniels, and and Jenna Prandini had uh, had four medals there. You know, so we, however we want to call them, Longhorn and Longhorn adjacent, they did dang good. And U.S. won the overall medal count. Longhorns won contributed to that. Count. Won the gold medal count, won it all. So a very successful time uh, for Team USA, for Team Longhorn. I believe Longhorn Republic is the official term that Twitter has decided will be used. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you should uh, for <laughs> for the UT uh, Olympic uh, Coalition. But, yeah, very, very good. While we move to the SEC, we are very Pac-12 in our Olympic prowess. I think it's basically like a couple California schools, USC, Stanford, Cal, uh and then us um, that that are carrying all these uh, these medals, but really, really cool. Um, always love Olympic season and love when Longhorns show out.
0: Absolutely. And finally, this is some good news. Texas is on the verge of starting the 2021-2022 athletic calendar uh, after having the best overall season uh, in the country. Soccer has its first exhibition match this Friday against Abilene Christian. Let's get some revenge. I want to see a big win here, ladies. Run them off the field.
1: I can't believe we're, we're actually it's starting. We are in sports season coming up uh, as you're listening to this within days. Uh, singular. So um, really awesome. And, Gerald, I, I didn't know where to put this one. I was going to save it for a bang the drum, but I have another bang the drum. But it came out this week that um, Sark confirmed, I don't think he gave an exact number, but confirmed for the uh, Longhorn football team at least that they were at 90% uh, vaccinated, which is fantastic. Again, it is a weird thing to think about a public health crisis in a, net, in a global pandemic from a how does it affect our wins and losses. But the, the higher that number is, the lower the likelihood that you get a game canceled, which this year, again, results in a loss. Um, so if you care not about global pandemics, but instead just about wins and losses, uh, that's a good thing if you care about the other stuff, that's also a good thing. But uh, I was excited. That's a, I want to see Texas at the leader of all stats, but especially that one. That's that's great.
0: From a competition standpoint, it's smart. Again, don't cost yourself games uh, for a dumb reason. That's all I'll say about that. Now's that's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: Well, we just saw some, and talked about, it, some pretty elite Athletes in the Olympics. Um, I was thinking about something, and and then Coach Shark and a presser kind of hit it on the head. And I appreciated the fact that he devoted time to it. Whether uh, network decided it was uh, obliged to cut away from it, but nonetheless, the full clip was released. And I hope everyone had a chance to see it. If you didn't, go check out our Twitter. But but Coach Shark, it's maybe a minute and a half, two minutes. Went on a, a, just a, a kind of a little speech about athlete mental health. I don't think that we necessarily tie those three words together. We talk about athletes and and we we kind of occasionally are starting to talk about mental health, but athlete mental health specifically. Um, And I think he put it very eloquently, but basically to the effect that, um, you know, you're competing at the highest level and you have your own self-doubts. You have your own issues that you're going with. You have your own teammates, your coaches, your parents, your family, those in your circle. Um, and, And as we've gone into this weird time and place, no longer is it just the sunday columnist in your hometown who gets to say something about you that you see we now live and we joked about it with kevin durant clapping back at 2am from the olympic village about a guy mocking him in team usa you now see if you don't find a way to insulate yourself from it as an athlete. That this feeds in, and you 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 can't keep it out. I, I do a podcast, and I check the comments. I post articles, and I read the comments. They always say you shouldn't uh, for your own work, but it's hard not to. You do something, you put it out there in the world. Um, and 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 now we live in a world where the water cooler, as Sark said, isn't in the office. It's it's online. I wrote a paper in college when Twitter was emerging as a platform; that it was the new water cooler and and it is. And, and it is a place online where people can be anonymous and say things and take shots. And people who've never played beyond a junior varsity level can have 100,000 followers for whatever reason, because they run a specific site that has memes and clips and take shots at people. And you, you've seen some of the single most high performing athletes that exist today. Again, Kevin Durant, we talked about, there's a, a documentary on Netflix about just uh, Naomi Osaka, who's just fascinating, but You saw recently her kind of come out and talk about how she was preserving her own mental health and not talking to the press and not doing kind of what was asked for her. And she ended up being the Olympic torchbearer and and just such a proud moment. But someone who is so elite and so young and has gone through so much and still is an introvert and struggles and processes things externally. And then you saw Simone Biles, who the lead up to the Olympics was GOAT, greatest of all time, the best there ever was, struggle. And it puts into perspective again, we should blow this wide open. This should not just be athlete mental health. We should talk about mental health all the time. It should not be stigmatized. It should not be verboten. It should be something that, you know, hey, my stomach hurts. Hey, I'm feeling down. Like it should be equally as no brainer to be able to speak up about it. But again, the fact that all these people are going through with these athletes, I hope that the outcome of this A is that we treat them better, have a little more space, a little more grace, and just, you know, let these athletes process be that again their s- s- bravery to speak up and take a stance on it leads to a step forward in the greater conversation around mental health in general but again i just want to commend coach sark for taking the time to speak to it to to kind of come out on the right side of history to make a stand and to just just put it into the 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 consciousness of texas fans that that, that it, it is a thing and you can contribute to it sometimes and i hope in a good way, um, but also to be cognizant
0: of it. There's way more that we can say on this podcast about that. We talked about it last week that like, m- we talk about health as wealth and mental health is like above all. And, and there's a, and I was people, if you don't know, if you're new to us, like I was a youth pastor for like uh, seven, eight years ish. Like there is this young people nowadays have, a different time of dealing and a different way of having to deal with the external pressures because they live their entire lives online. And obviously, it's by choice, and parents can limit that to their best extent. But, like, when even when you and I were, were in high school, Kyle, like, if we were being bullied, we could at least leave that at home. And now, like, somebody could send me a DM on Twitter and tell me some horrible things, and it just. I get an alert on my phone, and so the the always on, always online nature of the world that we have now has amplified everybody's voice for better or for worse. Some people should not have their voices amplified, and you know you could feel that about us if you want, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but there is a there's this added pressure to be always on. If you've ever if you've ever had that moment where you're like I am I am tired of being on, right? We've all had that moment. Well, imagine that feeling twenty four seven, and that's a lot of what young people are dealing with nowadays because of the always online nature of the world but again there's a longer conversation to be had about that take care of your mentals Marshawn said it really eloquently but I'm banging the drum this week on something way 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 less important than what Kyle just talked about but Texas practice on the stadium field on Sunday night and I was never the one that like really cared all that much about like the shade of orange on the field and in the end zones and on the uniforms i it didn't bother me i'm a big believer in like sweat the important stuff and i didn't really feel like that was an important thing but then i saw a picture of what the burnt orange in the end zone looked like and i realized how much i hated the old coloring of the end zone in that moment i was like i knew it was like i was like it's off like i don't care whatever And now I'm like I don't know how I lived without this. I don't know how I lived with this deeper, darker, more accurate shade of burnt orange. And um, it's what it speaks to me is less about the actual shade of orange and more about paying attention to the little things, right? I have a quote from Charlie Strong who's actually on my desk. Um, Charlie Strong said a lot of incredible things. Maybe didn't deliver on all of them, but he said if you want to be great, then every then everything has to be important, right? If you want to be great, everything has to be important getting the color right on the field feels like a little thing, but it shows to me at least that they're finally paying attention to the little things around the athletic department. They're finally paying attention to the little things like making the game day experience better for fans so they can get there earlier, get a home field advantage. They're paying attention to the little things like giving and opening up your checkbook for coaches to be able to bring on, Recruiting staff and bigger staffs and bigger uh, and better names and opening the purse strings for a high-profile coaching staff and all of those things, those little things will eventually add up to hopefully big things. Right? That's the that's the goal, that's the mindset. Is that if you do the little things right, at some point they will all add up to big things. And for the University of Texas, big things are wins and losses on the football field. Big things are wins and losses on the basketball court. And really student-athletes maximizing their potential in whatever way that may be. That may be in the classroom. That may be on the, uh, in the athletic field of their choice, right? But when you think about the little things that are important, that's what jumps to my mind as I look at this different shade. I'm like, you know what? That did matter. Those things are important. If you talk about the pride and winning tradition of the University of Texas, then you've got to take pride in even the smallest things.
1: Gerald, uh, the reason we weren't noticing the color is because we were looking up instead of down at the big things. And I would say a guy flying a jetpack is a very big thing indeed. Um, <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, I I, I I, think Chris Del Conte gets a lot of things right. I think the at Texas Athletics gets a lot of things right. I think they understand. I think Del Conte's, we're never changing the uniforms. If it ain't broke, don't break it kind of mindset. But they will change the things that need to be changed to get them right. right? They're not beholden to it has to be this way because it's always been this way. They'll change it if it needs to be right, but if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I kind of like that. I kind of like where it's falling. I like where the athletics department, uh, this is showing where their where head's at. I think it looks good. Hopefully it looks, uh, I believe they call that shade SEC orange. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> I think I think it looks it looks spot on.
0: And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, Where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at LonghornPod. Facebook and Instagram the Longhorn Republic. And shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this Tuesday. We'll be back on Thursday with a Kansas Preview. Check us out. And until then, hook them.
1: Hook them. Your pee shouldn't be burnt orange.